This is what makes men, men. We're men, right? Indeed we are, sir. Welcome to another episode of the Family Alpha Podcast. This is where Zachary Small is working to keep masculinity in men, in marriages, and in all fathers. The information shared here is meant to be applied. We're changing the world one man at a time. Now, let's get into the episode with Zach Small on the Family Alpha Podcast. Welcome back to another episode on the Family Alpha Podcast. I am your host, Zachary Spall from thefamilyalpha.com, fraternityofexcellence.com. And today I am joined by Kala from Greater Forever. Kala, welcome to the show. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. So we have had dad Twitter spaces. We've had future father spaces, you know, on inside the Fraternity of Excellence. You've been on the Zooms, you've been on the fatherhood Zooms. We have been talking so much about family and the fatherhood side of Kala that I would like to pull it back a little bit and talk about the man himself and not just the dad. So Kala, for the people who don't know who you are or what Greater Forever is all about, what do you do in these days? You know, what is Greater Forever and who is Kala? Sure. Uh, so uh, this is my second year coaching full-time. Online coach, uh, you know, labeled as sports nutrition coach. And um, I hopped on this business starting May 2020. Uh, when I got terminated from my previous job and I come back, I come from the music industry, Canada's music industry used to be a full-time musician. Uh, And I worked for uh, as a drummer for 10 years. And then uh, I worked for the musicians union for another 10. And then obviously COVID hit, lost my job. Music industry took a big bite. Uh, big hit. And then, uh, so I lost my job and I, you know, at that moment when I got terminated, I knew that I couldn't look at it as a negative thing and saw it as an opportunity. I was already kind of, um, studying, uh, sports nutrition to become certified coach. So, uh, took that opportunity, dove head first, got certified and, uh, started my journey in being an online coach. Now I've been working with 30 clients since um, and helping them overcome struggles of nutrition, fitness, mindset, uh, accountability, anything that's going to optimize their self-improvement for their life and for you know their family. What's it like in the music industry? You know, that's something I know nothing about. So if you're a professional musician, are you keeping up a resume or other skill sets in case the music stops? Or did a bunch of musicians find themselves really, you know, up shit's creek without a paddle when COVID said, hey, we're shutting down all concerts and everything. And they're like, this is the all I have. That's pretty, that's pretty much bang on. Uh, Canada's music industry is very small. Uh, you're surrounded by, you know, the same 200, 300 people. It's, it's really uh, a small community nationwide. I'm not sure exactly how it is in the States, but I'm assuming it's a bigger scale. And um, everybody kind of knows everybody if you've been in the industry for a while. And I loved the music industry, but kind of seeing both sides from the creator to the suits, um, it's very ugly too. Um, 
you know, you're surrounded by booze, alcohol, drugs, um, you know, rock star life. So, you know, it sounds good on paper, but deep down, it's a very regressive um, state. Now, of course, you can't, can't thrive and flourish in that industry. But I recognized that it was doing a lot of harm for me, and especially in the later years, than it was good. Is that what led you to start working on the certification before leaving the industry? Yeah. So something else uh, about me, I'm currently four years sober, uh, sorry, four years booze free. And, um, and uh, this will be my fifth year come February. I'm pretty jacked about it. But when I first quit, um, my first year, saw a lot of things, recognized a lot of things. Biggest thing was my colleagues at work started treating me different. My employers quit uh, inviting me to, you know, the after hours meetings. I was no longer um, invited to lunches or, or dinner meetings. Um, and it was all about, um, you know, they saw this side of me that I'm kind of turning my head around. So like, you know, they didn't, they, I think that they, they felt insecure with the decision I was making and they didn't want me to be included in their, their party or their team. So that was something that I recognized. I was seeing that as I was making, you know, an improvement with my health, <clears throat> I was starting to lose friends or colleagues. And that wasn't just in the workplace. Uh, that kind of happened at a personal local level with other friends. Uh, instead of encouraging me to continue with the booze-free uh, lifestyle, they would constantly uh, bring up temptation or, or trigger or offer things to come back to their level. Or... So I saw that uh, by making a progressive plan in health, um, I'm not only bettering my internal health, but I'm bettering my external environment. Uh, by kind of recognizing who my real friends were. I think that's the hardest part of sobriety for many, you know, in, in my journey and in that I've seen of others who have just interacted with, they kind of seen what I was doing. They're like, Oh, I want to share my look. So we go back and forth, whatever. And there comes a point where you have to decide how in are you on this? And with your sobriety, you start seeing friends go, you start seeing opportunities go parties go and you you're presented with a choice. Am I willing to lose all of this for my sobriety? So how did you go about that? Did you find yourself asking that question of like, well, screw it, you know, I'm going to lose all the things that I was a part of and all the fun that, or I can just take care of my health and, you know, not drive myself into a gutter, you know, by drinking myself to the grave. Well, the big reason why I quit drinking is because I'm an all or nothing kind of guy. Always happy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's not just me. <laughs> and so if I was, if I was having a drink, I was getting wasted um, and to the point where I'd be blackout drunk. And that meant that my close loved ones would have to take care of me for the night. And I saw I was doing a lot of damage with my brothers, uh, with my wife um, and, you know, my parents. So as I was, you know, losing friends, I was building better relationship with the people that are most close with me. And so, you know, it was a win in that regard. I saw the improvements and uh, the benefits of being booze free 
And so that was an easy decision uh, to weigh the pros and cons. That's, that's incredible. You know, that is an incredibly powerful statement, you know, and when you think about it, that's one of the reasons I, I try to be public about this. And it's one of the reasons I created, you know, the free telegram, because I think there are some people who are, they start to lose the friends. They start to lose that, the, the crew they used to run with, but that those bonds aren't there. They don't have anyone to share the wins with. And to me, I was like, that's a tragedy. You know, they're trying to do better, but they don't have anyone to help them realize why or recognize why they're doing what they're doing. So I was like, dude, I'll be that. Let's shake hands. Let's talk about it. Let's go over whatever. I have total strangers, man, spilling their guts. And they're just so proud to be a month sober, to be a week sober. And I'm like, yeah, like this is I'm genuinely pumped and rooting for these people. And I want them to feel that. And I try to share it the best I can, because you're right, man. My friends, our bonds got stronger when I stopped. And the ones who left, they weren't there to begin with. They weren't right. real friends. They were just the people I partied with. But yeah. my kids, my wife. So exactly what you're saying. I felt the same thing. But for people have asked, you know, why, why publicly? And I've shared it a few different ways. That's another one of the ways. I want people to know that there's somebody else that is rooting for them and that they are making the right choice. And so that's, it's cool to hear through you, but it's also surprising because you're the fitness guy. What do you mean you're addicted and partying throughout the night? Like, what do you mean that you're doing all these things? So let's talk about that. How did you go from, from that guy caught up in the cycle? You have actually a pinned tweet on Twitter, correct? Where it's you sitting there and then it's you deadlifting. Yes, so sir. let's talk about that transition and how you just stuck with the gym and you got yourself down. I don't even know what body fat percentage, but you're looking lean as shit on there. So it's a good body fat percentage. Thanks. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, I would say it was around the same time where I decided to quit booze, where I really focused on health. And the reason that I made this change was because I pretty much hit rock bottom with my nutrition to a point where it was affecting me with crazy flares of, of rash and, and fungus and eczema all over my body uh, that I, I had no choice but to make a change um, or else it, like, it was coming to the point I was unrecognizable. So um, when I made this dietary change of, of cutting out all sugar and, and fruit and starch, um, my, my goal was to you know, starve the yeast overgrowth that was kind of developing in my in my blood. Um, during this time, not only did I uh, 180 my symptoms, but I recognized a lot of eating behaviors changed. I recognized a lot of healthy habits I had to adopt. I had to start meal prepping food. I had to, you know, prepare more meals at home. Um, my hunger cravings were more manageable. Uh, and so I, I was recognizing all these uh, benefits that came along with really uh, improving my nutrition. So, you know, that I, I started dropping body fat pretty quickly and that got me motivated to start lifting again. Um, and then, you know, I, I started tracking calories and my nutrients. So, you know, uh, I cut back on booze and then I, again, I was starting to see the benefits. So it just kind of the snowball effect of the, you know, one step of improvement kind of led to a run. And um, so, um, yeah, I think that kind of answers your question. Well, in that too, it's, it's incredible what happens if you just start. And I think that's a big message for people. I'm sure yeah. that's a message that you share with those working with you. It's like, hey, just let's just get it started. And from there, you'll see where it's going to take you. You know, and it's, it becomes addictive. You know, and I'm living that now. So I'm a year and a half sober. And a lot of that came with, well, if I'm getting sober, I'm going to do everything. So I worked with Phil Foster. 
on, on training and hormones. And we started rolling with that. And that led to where we're at now. And it's where 2022 is going to be a pretty solid year uh, after I get the surgery knocked out. Like I'm, I'm pretty pumped about it because it's addictive. Like you want to be better. You feel better. You want to eat, you know, to, to fuel the changes that you're pursuing, but it all starts with making a choice in the beginning. And I think, I think because I recognized that I was the all or nothing kind of guy that if I was able to go all in on booze, rock and roll and drugs, why can't I go all in on health, nutrition, and, you know, family life or fitness. Um, and so that's what I've chosen to do. I didn't necessarily change who I am. I just uh, changed my priorities. Well, you're still level 10, but now it's level 10 focused instead of level 10 partied. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. again, I'm very, I see my, a lot of myself in the story because I'm, I get it. I'm the same way. If I'm doing it, I'm, I'm doing all of it. And the problem is if that's a destructive thing, I'm going all the way to like the nuclear bomb. I'm not going to drop little M80s here or there and firecrackers. I'm going all in. And so, but another interesting, you know, similarity between our stories, people see me now and they think you were always confident. You know, you always had it in, you came from a great family, you came from everything, you know, we, we all didn't have silver spoons. And I try to tell them, I'm like, that's not where I, I, can't, I reached this in spite of that. You know, mm. it was hard. And, you know, I've heard parts of your story. And I was wondering if you'd want to dive a little bit into where you came from to let people see that who they see right now is forged intentionally. It, you weren't on a life that sent you exactly in this direction because you had the perfect home, the perfect friends, the perfect everything. You made Kala who you are today, you know, in spite of where you came from. So what was, you know, what were a few of at least the milestones in your youth that you had to overcome to become the man you are who can overcome other obstacles? Oh, man. So <clears throat> uh, I was bullied as a kid growing up. I was the type of guy that was picked last for the soccer team. Uh, always tried to be part of the cool gang. Um, and kind of always identified as that person up until I would say coming out of high school, just, just before college. And that has taken a huge toll on me growing up. Um, I was trapped in this victim identity, kind of always comparing myself to others. And um, I had to deal with a lot of stress growing up because of all this bullying and, and what have you. It was also, you know, typical story. I wasn't like the, the fattest kid of the bunch, but was definitely not in shape, loved my snacks and used eating as a coping mechanism. So when I came home from school, no one was home. You know, I go through a bag of chips, I, you know, a pack of fries, put them in the oven and then eat dinner on top of that. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I, I could very much relate to what a lot of people do today when it comes to poor eating behaviors, whether it be using food as, as a stress, stress coping mechanism or, um, you know, thinking that they they deserve to go to a fast food place because they had a, a, a hard day. Um, so, you know, I felt felt like I said, this victim identity is, is how I saw myself for a very long time. And when I was in music, that helped uh, when I when I noticed when I was like, you know, creating art, that was uh, obviously a, a more when did you start with music? When, when did music start in your life? Uh, I started probably like i said i was not really 
the sports guys. So around grade seven, grade eight, uh, yeah. I joined it's the school. 12 o'clock. Sorry. I joined the school. I joined the school band and uh, played uh, the tuba and then drums in the next year. Um, and I loved the drums. Absolutely. Um, and that that's my mus- uh, instrument of choice for the majority of my music career. Um, I also play the keyboards, but uh, drum for sure, primarily. And then, um, so music was a good, uh, good way for me to, you know, um, create this new identity for myself. And I did become more confident, but in the music industry, it's also an uphill battle of trying to be successful. There's a lot of like trying to impress people. There is a lot of comparing your craft to others. Um, and again, fell back into that victim mindset, this fixed approach. Um, it wasn't until I started making these improvements in health that I started recognizing the importance of um, seeing failure as an opportunity opportunity to learn instead of uh, a reason to give up. And when I recognized that opportunity or saw it failure in a new way, it was a game changer. And, uh, you know, I, I now consider that uh, myself of someone that doesn't necessarily want to be a know-it-all, but I want to be someone that wants to learn it all. So I'm always, uh, you know, looking for ways to improve, um, always looking for, you know, a better option. And, and I've, I've made that in, I've, I've included that into my coaching greater forever. That's what it's about. Always moving the goalpost. You know, I believe there are a lot of people who are going to hear themselves or see themselves in your story. You know, when it comes to coping with the food, with finding those, those comfortable supports to whatever they're going through, you know, whether they're being ridiculed by, by the other groups or whether they're just not feeling worthy within the home, you know, a lot of people turn to food. And it is funny that you said, you know, they'll, They'll go to the fast food as a celebration of doing whatever. These people do reward themselves with food, just like a dog. You give them the treat. Hey, good boy, you sat down. Here's a treat. And these people are like, oh, I did a good job. Let's eat. Well, think about booze, too. Somebody died. Let's drink. Somebody got married. Let's drink. There's a birth. Let's drink. There's a birthday party. Let's. And dude, there's always a reason to drink. And for these people, there's always a reason to eat. And, you know, it's it runs rampant. And I wonder, you know, how you went about replacing or overcoming that habit. I mean, how did, like, how, did, how did you really recognize the issues that you were having? Because these people, when it's ingrained in you from childhood on, that's a very difficult behavior to overcome. And so did you find yourself going through like withdrawals or did you have to have, like for me, when I started with sobriety, I had to have seltzer because I needed something like on my tongue that wasn't water. I was pounding water and coffee all day. I was getting sick of it. So the seltzer mm. was a great, it gave me that fizz. I was like, all right, cool. This is satisfying it. Did you find something like that that satisfied when you wanted a <clears> snack or you had a craving? Well, with the booze, my go-to was coffee. I'd even bring my, my own coffee to events. You know, I went to I do the same thing. I still do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, you know, uh, it, you know, it may not be the, the best option or whatever, not, not, not ideal, but if it's going to stop me from grabbing a beer, then it's a win. Same thing with food. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, when I hit rock bottom, I guess the knowing that if I did go off track or did cheat, um, that, you know, I could potentially go back to those flares. So 
you know, some people fear hitting rock bottom, but I really believe that sometimes that could be your biggest blessing because it really helps you recognize uh, and establish what rock bottom is, you know, for, for, for other people, what my rock bottom was is, you know, a dream for them compared to where their rock bottom is. And so I've made, you know, I've made a commitment that I'm never going to go to that part of neglect with my nutrition because I never want to go back to hitting that kind of rock bottom. Um, so that's been like a good uh, way to keep me committed. Um, and, you know, something that I always say when it comes to nutrition, a lot of people use the slogan, you are what you eat, but I've recognized it's you are what you repeat. And, you know, the more that you uh, repeat or be consistent with habits, the more likely that it becomes uh, autopilot. And so just being consistent and following my commitments is being the way um, for growth versus what I used to be as someone who would follow my emotions and, you know, be stuck in this like, woe is me kind of life. You know, what about the, the under discussed side of success? And that's where you look back on who you were and you're like, man, if I had known this then, and then you have all these regrets about how you could have done differently, you could have done better. Did you face that? And if, if so, did you, how were you able to overcome it? Or are you still going through it? I, I think about that stuff every day. And <laughs> there, there was a part of me that would be like, I'll just ignore it. But I recognize that, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's, it's always coming and I can't stop these thoughts, but I can control them. And I can, uh, so, you know, I like kind of set, you know, set a place for them in my head and use that, use these thoughts as a, a signal to respond. So when I have these like self-sabotaging thoughts or these, uh, you know, victim identity thoughts, I'll use that as uh, a, a way to, okay, now I got to really up my ante, you know, I got to be more committed now. Uh, I, what can I do right now to be better? Um, and so I've, I've, I've recognized that these things aren't necessarily bad uh, to have these kind of thoughts or regrets or whatever you want to call them. But I've, I've, I've recognized that I can use them as, as tools to really apply more discipline and more commitment when necessary. Yeah, that's a great way to go about it. I mean, I, I also just let it immerse over me. So I, I spent five years in high school, dude. I barely graduated. You know, my life was a mess until I joined the Navy. And sometimes I look back, I'm like, well, what if I had actually tried with football? Like I was good, just naturally talented. I was quick. What if I actually worked out and lifted weights? I could have been a freaking machine. Or what if I applied my two of my academics, you know, and I would get placed into the, the advanced classes just to drop out for not doing shit. <laughs> like I just wouldn't do the homework. I would, I would just sit and hang out. I would make jokes during class. I'm like, man, like what if I had tried? And you go down that. One of the tricks I've done, and maybe this this will help you when it happens to you or anybody listening, I go all the way in. So this is back to that all in. I'm like, all right, you want to feel bad, Zach? Let's feel as bad as you possibly can. Let's, all right, what could you have done? You could have gone to this. All right, cool. You could have created that, but you didn't. You're here. So what can you do now that'll prevent you five years from now looking back saying, well, what could I have done? And that little mind game I play that I'm like, all right, I have to snap out of this. Cause I have to do shit right now. So five years from me, my future self is not looking back saying, dude, you spent all this time wallowing in pity when you could have built something else up. 
And so that's kind of how I got here is because I stopped wallowing in that pity. I stopped. I allowed myself to swim in the deep end of depression, anxiety, the abyss of just blackness of lost future avenues that could have been had. And instead look back up at the one light, the one little candle light in that darkness, which is, this is what I do have. I've got to go back to that because everything else is gone. All those paths faded away. And what's left is the one I'm walking. Now I can walk into higher heights if I keep going or I can sit and stay still or I can go back to who I was and just die looking backwards. Those are all options we're all presented with. So it's interesting that we both were like, yeah, no, I feel it. I still feel it, but it doesn't control me. It doesn't consume me and it doesn't take me anywhere outside of where I want to go. I usually get these moments when I'm uh, kind of like uh, lose that commitment or lose that discipline or not being as diligent as I should be. Um, So, you know, again, I, I use these as signals to, to start applying better uh, discipline and, and commitment. But when I am in that rhythm and, and things are moving and progressing, those thoughts aren't coming in my head. Those regrets aren't coming. I'm just focused on, okay, how, you know, I'm really liking this, this vibe. Um, so it goes hand in hand, right? It's, it, and so I, I just keep, keep chasing that vibe. That's a great point. I don't feel that when I'm active and engaged, I only feel yeah. it when I feel that, that sense of being overwhelmed or, I'm not doing the things I know I should be doing. That's the only time it creeps in. So you're right. You know, it's the whole idle hands. As long as your hands are busy, you don't have time to sit and worry about what you're not doing. You're too busy doing something. And man, I've replied this with everything. Even when, you know, things are rocky with my wife and I, you know, uh, I used to be someone that would, you know, kind of blame her. But now being because of groups like FOE, and connecting with you and Anthony from Peaceful Fathers and everyone on Twitter too, like with what how I've been using social media, like I'm I'm learning so much about, um, you know, to be a man and um, the leader of your home, you really got to take full responsibility of everything. So if things are not going the way that you think it should be, then here to tell you that you know that's on you that's there's there's you know you got to recognize there's something that you need to improve on because if you were doing best you know everything that you're supposed to be doing you wouldn't be having these issues and so um, it's good to recognize to take a step back when these thoughts come into play because it really allows you to like you know reassess and re-examine your life and your priorities i mean (laughs) It's like thinking of the captain of the ship, you know, he doesn't sit there and say, Hey, you're going the wrong way. And then go back to like sitting on his chair and then watch somebody else steer his ship the wrong way. No, he gets up, he grabs the wheel. Hey, we got to go this way. I'm the captain for a reason. I'm in charge here. We're going over there. So I'm glad you made that point. Cause when you said that, I was like, Oh, you're in the FOE. The guys are going to chew on that one, (laughs) but I'm glad you corrected it. You know, that's absolutely correct. We are the problem. We are the solution. You know, it's that easy and we can make it work and get to where we need to go. So speaking of that, Getting to where you need to go with your certification, with what you're doing with Greater Forever, you know, you, you've overcome these obstacles, like I said, and in present day, we recognize them, we face and we put controls in place to keep us going, you know, and you're doing exactly that and growing. How are you finding the, the movement of Greater Forever aligning with your life's mission? Because I'm assuming it's not like a cookie cut program. It, it's Cala's touch on a program. It's very specific to you. So what about it is unique to you? When people come here, what are they getting that they're not getting in these other places that are saying, all right, 
here's your program, here's your PDF, go have fun. Yeah, well, that's exactly it, right? A lot of people, <clears throat> a lot of people sell the quick fix because a lot of people want the quick fix. And that's not what you're going to get with me. You know, uh, majority of my clients are looking to improve their body composition or lose weight. And that is a great goal, of course. But in order to sustain that weight loss, in order to actually achieve the goal for a healthy life, um, we can't only address the diet. Um, nutrition alone won't save you. So if you're joining Greater Forever, do not expect a short-term fix. You're joining Greater Forever for the long-term sustainable solution. Um, and that is by addressing the deep underlying issues that come from your poor eating habits, the lack of discipline, the lack of gratitude, the lack of um, accountability that you need to have in order to uh, maintain uh, healthy metabolic function. Um, so that's, that's where, you know, and, and like, you know, you hit the nail on the head. I can only share and teach what I've learned. And so this, you're going to get uh, like real life experience um, from me. You're not going to get uh, a PDF that you could just find online or, or whatever and say, good luck. Um, I really believe in the power of coaching. I think it's, it's only going to grow from here um, because I'm, per, I'm currently working with three coaches. I work with a coach in nutrition myself, uh, one for my business and um, joined a community of FOE where I consider it coaching, where there's, you know, a, a, a group of brotherhood um, focusing on uh, optimizing masculinity and leadership. Uh, at least that's what I'm using it for. And so, um, you know, I, uh, and again, so if, you know, if you're joining Greater Forever, you're going to get someone that's going to see the long-term big picture um, and not just, you know, focusing only on one aspect and expect a life-changing result. You know, what I like about that is I, I agree. You know, if you don't live it, you can't give it. And, you know, for these people that are looking to overcome past habits, overcome, you know, who they were to becoming the person they want to become, you'd want a coach that's done that. If the dude was born and you see a lot of these NFL guys, they're born mutants. They are born running a four, 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 three. They're born just eating what they want, just putting on just nothing but muscle. It's just their genetics. They are built for that league. Not all of them, but a majority of them are just built to crush and play football. The same thing with baseball, same thing with all these other professional sports. These people are elite for a reason. But when you have a, a NFL star, let's just use that, and they've had nothing but success their whole life, and they had to work hard, they had to train, they had to learn the plays and whatnot, of course, but they just, they never had to really overcome physically poor habits or situations like that. They just had the skill set. If you can find somebody like that and you're trying to connect to them, they won't get you on a level that somebody's like, no, I've been in your shoes. I have been overweight. I have been weak. I have been, you know, out of shape to the degree where I just loathed who I was, you yeah. know, and I was able to climb out of that abyss. That's a totally different connection. And that's again, and I, I, I don't mean to do this with you, but, but you're sober, I'm sober. So I'm going to use that analogy again. Somebody who's never had an addiction to something doesn't, can't relate and get to the level as the addict, as somebody who has, mm -hmm. as those are just facts. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just the truth. If you've never been like, well, why can't you just stop? If they said that to me, 
and they said that to somebody else that's never gone through it, that person would be like, yeah, just stop. I'd be like, no, dude, I get it. <laughs> you can't, you had one, now you want 15. I fully fucking get that. So I like that through your coaching because people can see that. You've been where they were, but now you are where they want to be. Or, or in a station like that, they want to just be healthier and more focused and driven. So what would you say are sort of the, the pillars of that? Where do you start and where do you get these people to really focus? Do they focus on who they want to become? Or do they focus on healing from who they were? Where would you say you place your emphasis to help these people get rolling? And not to give away the trades. I'm not trying to give away your secrets. But I'm just saying, you know, if somebody's on this, like, hey, I want to work with this guy, but I want to start, you know, kind of improving myself. Where does Callis say we should start? Yeah, so um, I, I, I'm convinced that everything has stemmed from childhood. Um, and you know, being a father of uh, a toddler, I am recognizing a lot of how my child is growing up is going to affect um, how he makes decisions. Um, and so now I'm not saying that I get down to, you know, a childlike, uh, I don't bring my clients back down to childhood, but I do ask them questions of, you know, how do they respond to stress? How do they deal with their emotions? Um, we, we use um, a lot of recovery uh, tools to kind of help us recognize um, how to manage stress. So we'll do like, you know, uh, we, I'm a big advocate of Wim Hof, um, who is, you know, known as the Iceman. But I really like his breathwork exercises. And with my clients, we encourage doing some breathing aspects. And um, that brings like a, an awareness of presence. So um, I guess to answer your question, I really bring it down to the mental and spiritual side of nutrition that not many sports nutrition coaches talk about. Um, but I also, um, you know, with all my clients, we, we meet once a week and we have a Zoom call and we surround ourselves in this like-minded community where we do share our struggles, we celebrate our wins, and we offer each other advice and not just like friendly advice of, you know, you can do it, which is great, but like real, like, you know, smacks to the face, like, no, you got to smarten up if you really want to get the results and kind of, um, you know, hand each other and offer each other a bit more discipline, teachings and learnings that you wouldn't get on your own, that you wouldn't, you know, you, you would, especially for someone that constantly uh, made excuses instead of uh, made changes. It's, I like your point there that this isn't something that can really be done alone. You know, if it could, you'd have already done it. You know, and so you find the people that you want to work with, you work with them, you get rolling in that direction. You know, for people like I pay for a coach, like you said, you have a nutrition coach. There's there's a lot to be said about being able to ask for help. And I think if people are more committed to actually admitting they have an issue and reaching out, I mean, greater forever. We're literally talking about it right now. What a great step it would be. Hey, I'm committed. Click the button, connect, do, do the introductory call or have you guys run it. Once you put money on the line for something, hey, I paid for this coaching. That's when you have people who are like, all right, I gave you cash. Now I'm committed. I'm really going to do this. It's skin in the game. You know, it's one of the yeah. reasons I charge for FOE. 
it was we had open groups you have open groups everywhere you have it on reddit you have it on twitter there's a lot of free groups but there's no barrier to entry and there's no skin in the game there's no reason for you to be held accountable by anybody you're just an adult leave if you want stay if you want with foe there's there's a lot more offered there there's a lot more expectation and people who pay for something want something in return so they work for it i can see the same thing through your coaching so if somebody wanted to work with you What's the best way for them to connect? What's the best way for them to get started with Greater Forever or picking your brain to see if they'd be a good fit? Like where could they find me? Uh, kind of where could they find you, but where are you most likely to engage and communicate? Uh, so Twitter. Uh, I like Twitter a lot. Um, I've been using Twitter uh, in the last... Well, I've, I, I was actually very early in Twitter, uh, probably when it first came out about 15 years ago. Damn. But I, yeah, <laughs> that's so a long time. I used, um, and but but how I used social media then versus how I have in the last two years is you know night and day. I was, and this again goes with the whole victim identity to versus a growth mindset. Um, I'm now convinced that you know when I see people blaming, complaining, or shaming others online, to me it it just shows how insecure or depressed or just not happy uh, they are because, um, you know, successful people, happy people, they don't bring others down. They don't complain about their day. They are full of fortune and gratitude. Um, this is totally going off topic with your question, but, but yeah, so you, you can find me on Twitter. Um, and uh, I'm also on Facebook. Um, where you can find me on Facebook, Greater Forever, just inside a group there, and that's a free group where I do offer a lot of um, you know resources, and I share my story. You know, like you know, that's another thing too. You mentioned having a good coach um, is, or, you know, having a coach for someone that has gone through it. I think it's good to have a coach that's someone that is who's still going through it, who still wants to improve, who's still trying. So I share a lot of my journey. In this group, I share a lot of my journey in in, in Twitter, um, and you can find me on Twitter at, at Greater Forever, and then on Facebook, it's uh, just search just search a group Greater Forever. Cool, yeah. it's been awesome, man. It was a great discussion. You know, for those that are going through, and you know, we didn't. I guess we'll save that for another Oak and Rocker or Twitter Spaces, where we start talking about you know balancing this workload, balancing self development, balancing improving who you are, and becoming a better man while being a present and loving husband and father, mm. you know, that's, that's a great topic in itself. And that's something else I want to know about it because that's what you're doing. You know, you're leading your family during all this and people listen to this like, Oh, that's a, that's a huge workload. Yeah. That's not even concluding his family. <laughs> that's not even including the other half of the things that's going on in your life. So that's going to be a great discussion. We'll get you back on here. Like I said, that's most likely going to be a good fit for Anthony and I, you know, to, to get you on there. Maybe we'll get a panel of motivated fathers that are rolling. But dude, I, I want to thank you for your time. I appreciate it, Cal. I know you're a busy man. So being able to get an hour, hour plus of your time on here, it's not lost on me that you gave me the time of your day. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Likewise, brother. It's always great to chat with you. you Got to keep it rolling. All right. For everybody that tuned in, this has been another episode on the Family Alpha Podcast. Make sure you've liked, subscribed, and all the jazz. Share the good word if you know somebody that's looking to change their life and get better because Cal is available. He is here. He's talking to you. He's telling you, hey, here's the rope, but you have to grab it. You have to climb it. If all you did was listen to this, but you're going to stay in the same physical spot that you're in now, and then a year from now, you're looking exactly the same, you failed. 
If you're listening to this podcast for a reason, grab the rope and climb. Kala can help you. You guys stay well. You've just finished another episode of the Family Alpha Podcast. Now go out and apply what you've learned. And be sure to follow Zach on Twitter and Instagram at Zach Small underscore. Also, be sure to check out Zach's work at thefamilyalpha.com and his private men's community, thefraternityofexcellence.com.